social determinants of health into professional teams, improving healthcare delivery to patients and families. These are the themes of our Urban Service Talks, a podcast featuring the stories of students from a variety of healthcare professions, learning together to serve patients in our underserved community. We are a group of curious Urban Service Track AX scholars, sharing insight to educate and spark change wherever our stories are told. Welcome everyone to this episode of Urban Service Talks. Today we'll be discussing interprofessional education or IPE and how it leads to successful interprofessional collaboration on healthcare teams caring for underserved patient populations. We'll be diving deep into this discussion today, focusing specifically on a few health professional students' experiences and how the Urban Service Track or UST Connecticut Area Health Education Center or AHEC Scholars Program has prepared them for their healthcare roles. So hello and welcome everyone. My name is Nick DeFilippo. My pronouns are he and him, and I'll be one of the hosts today. I'm a graduating fourth year doctor of pharmacy student at the Yukon School of Pharmacy located in Stores, Connecticut, and I'm an urban health scholar in cohort 13 of the UST Connecticut AHEC Scholars Program. After graduation, I'll be a PGY1 pharmacy resident at Yale New Haven Hospital in New Haven, Connecticut. In the future, I'm particularly interested in working with people with diabetes, people living with HIV, people who use drugs, and the LGBTQIA community. Hi, everyone. My name is Tyler James, pronouns she, her, and I'm a first-year dental student at UConn in Farmington, Connecticut, and I'm a member of UST AHEC Cohort 14. I'm very excited to be one of your hosts for today's episode. We have two guests today, Katie and Mo, who are both fourth-year students in their respective programs. I will let them introduce themselves but I'd like to thank them both for joining us today. Katie, why don't you start? Hi everyone, my name is Katie, she, her, and I'm a fourth year dual degree dental medicine and public health student at UConn Health in Farmington, Connecticut. I'm originally from Burlington, Vermont, and after graduation in a few weeks, I'm gonna be returning home for my general practice residency at the University of Vermont Medical Center. I'm particularly interested in working on oral health policy and access to oral health care. Hi, everybody. My name is Mo. I am a fourth year medical student. I grew up in New Milford, Connecticut, and I am in cohort 11 along with Katie in the urban service track. And after graduation in a couple of weeks, I will be staying at UConn to do my internal medicine residency. And my future plans is to pursue an infectious disease fellowship and work with the underserved um, teach in a medical school and as well as international medicine. Pharmacy, nursing, medicine, dental medicine, and social work students at three UConn campuses and physician assistant students at Quinnipiac University are involved with AHEC as urban health scholars for at least two years during their degree periods. Several times per year, cohorts come together for learning retreats dedicated to learning about underserved populations and how interprofessional collaboration between the six professions is integral in the primary care setting of those populations. Between learning retreats, community outreach, health education, advocacy, and professional development events are planned by urban health scholars of all levels, advised by UST and AHEC faculty members. To learn more, click on the link in the description and follow us on Twitter at Urban Service Pod or on Instagram at Urban Service Talks. So before we get started, for all of our listeners out there, let's first define interprofessional education or IPE. 
I really like the way our pharmacy UST advisor, Dr. Dang, explains it, and I think she borrows the definition from the World Health Organization. So interprofessional education, or IPE, is when students from two or more professions learn with, from, and about each other to enable effective collaboration and improve health outcomes. IPE is not just sitting in a lecture together about the same topic or even just working together. I think the part about learning from and about each other is really important to define high quality IPE. Interprofessional teams are also different from multidisciplinary teams where a multidisciplinary team can be a non-invasive cardiologist and the advanced heart failure cardiologist collaborating to develop a treatment plan for a patient. Interprofessional teams have at least two members from different professions like the primary care physician and the pharmacist or a nurse and a social worker working together. So first of all, as you both have taken different paths to get where you are now, why did you want to be selected for UST and what did you expect coming in in terms of working with other health professional students? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, uh, coming into medical school, I was uh, looking at like different medical schools, of course, and like seeing like what's the pros and cons of each school. And somehow I think I came across like the urban service track and looking back it just, I don't know how I got to it, but like, I'm very happy I did because that kind of, kind of like lit, lit a fire to like kind of to pursue that further and like read about it and like learn about it. So then when I came to my interview, day, uh, I talked to the student and the faculty member about it, and they were kind of able to give me more information and um, a bit more like behind the curtains details as to how to apply to UST, what one does one, once they're in the urban service track. And then further on, later in the spring, during like second look, you kind of get more information about the urban service track. So it's uh, it was a bit like serendipitous in a way into how I learned about like UST, but through and through, once I like learned about it, I was uh, excited to like join and apply. Um, and then that's, that's how it started for me. One of the things that drew me to dental school in the first place was the idea of service and, and, you know, being in my community and, and serving the people that I live with. And so I knew that I wanted that to be a huge component of my time in dental school and beyond. And so that was first what drew me to UST was the service in urban service track. And I think that was how I initially found out about it when I was learning more about UConn. And then what really drew me in and, and made me really interested in this program was the longevity of it, both in terms of the length of time commitment to community and service, you know, all of us in our health professional schools have um, have many opportunities to participate in one-time volunteer events, and I think those are great. But what I knew was what I wanted to get out of community service and engagement was a more long-term, uh, like multi-year experience. And so, UST was it was kind of that's exactly what it's made for of really embedding ourselves as health health professional students within our communities for a longer commitment. So that really drew me in. And then the other thing that really drew me to UST was the leadership training. And that's one of the core components of Urban Service Track is teaching us how to be leaders within teams. And, you know, in addition to the teamwork that we do in our interprofessional teams, 
really learning to be leaders, all of us uh, with graduated responsibilities as we progress within the program. And so developing those skills was, was something that I knew that I really wanted to learn and was drawn to USP for that. Um, so with coming into the urban service track, um, I didn't really know what to expect in terms of working with other health professional students. Um, looking at the roster when I was doing my research, I saw that there were students from, from the School of Medicine, School of Dentistry, Pharmacy, to Physician Assistant, um, but I didn't know to what extent. I thought it was maybe we all just sit in the same classroom and just like go to the same lectures or uh, do some like simulations together, but not to the extent that what we actually do in real life where we all teach each other, work together, uh, lean on each other's back, ask each other what to do next. Um, so it was a bit, it was a, a surprise to me as to how much uh, working uh, with other health professional students. So we know that the social determinants of health are the foundation of health for our patients and their communities. Um, Katie, what do you think um, are the elements of your UST experience that have enabled you to address these social determinants of health uh, on your experiential rotations while working on interprofessional teams? So that's a great question, Nick. Thank you. When I came into dental school and coming into UST, I had a vague understanding of you know health disparities and health inequities only knowing that different people have different access to health itself and, and healthcare as a subset within that. But I couldn't really tell you what social determinants of health were. So I think on a very basic level, UST really taught me about what are social determinants of health, how do they affect people, and how do they affect the specific populations that we studied in our learning retreats. One of the most memorable ones to me was our veterans learning retreat. And so looking at a really niche population and the specific determinants that affect their health. So in terms of how that applied to my experience in clinic, I think that this is where I, I would say the nursing students really taught me how to look at social determinants of health from a nursing perspective. Um, one of the big things in oral health that we look for is someone's diet. And I think learning how to ask questions about what someone is eating, how they're able to eat in a really thoughtful, holistic, non-judgmental way was something that I learned a lot from the nursing perspective on. Um, so I would really say that when I'm assessing someone's risk for cavities or trying to explain to them why they suddenly have 10 new cavities in their mouth, I think looking at it from the holistic perspective that I've learned from my nursing peers, I think that that has really helped me. I also similarly have drawn from uh, actually our social work colleagues in UST. Um, right now I'm on my um, diabetes uh, ambulatory care clinic rotation. And um, this is a really underserved population that we're working with. And you can't just come in and hear and tell someone, well, you have to start taking your insulin, you have to start exercising, you have to start eating. So things that I learned from them are, you know, there's, there's clearly things that are, um, you know, getting in the way of people from being adherent to their their plan with their diabetes especially and working and referring to people to social work and help them work through some of either the social problems that they're experiencing either lack of social support or um, you know lack of access to different resources um, even things like grief um, referring to social work I think would be um, a great 
plan for everybody that I'm kind of seeing. Um, and recently we, we did do that because I, I saw a patient and I saw that nothing that I'm going to tell you today from a pharmacy perspective is going to control your diabetes because there's way bigger things on your mind right now. And it's not your health and that's okay. And we're going to set you up with someone who can help you. So I, I totally agree with, you know, I've learned so much from our other colleagues on how to care for patients, even in the two years that, you know, we've done this. Nick, I completely have to jump on the social work love train too. I'm just finishing up my uh, master's in public health thesis right now about access to health insurance uh, for dental care uh, for pregnant women covered by Medicaid in Vermont. And one of the barriers for this population of having increased dental coverage for through Medicaid during and up to 60 days after pregnancy, one of the surprising findings from my research was that childcare during appointments remains one of the biggest barriers of care for this population. And that, you know, was something that I included on my survey just, you know, to try to inquire about anything I could possibly think of. And that ended up being one of the biggest barriers. And I, the first thing I thought when I saw the survey results and made my graph was, oh my gosh, when I moved to Vermont, I need to make friends with some social workers so we can figure out a way to address this. So yes, I think social work is some, is a profession that, you know, not all of us may think right away as being probably the integral member of a healthcare team. I certainly didn't understand that when I started dental school. And now I, I completely agree. They're, they're really the ones that are tying us all together. Oh, uh, so I just have something to add on top of like the social determinants of health um, that, that Nick and, uh, and Katie were talking about. Um, one thing that's important to also like think about is like what came to mind was Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. So like on the bottom are like the physiological needs. So like what that means is like, like you need to have food, water, shelter, sleep. And like, if you don't have any of those things, then you can't expect anyone to improve in health, no matter if you give them all the latest uh, anti-diabetic medication or, or the best diet ever. If they don't have housing, food, shelter, safety, anything like that, then, then nothing's gonna get better. I really liked um, your comment, Mo, on just how basic needs can really affect um, one's health. And I think that's a great segue into my next question for you guys. Um, so there are four domains of IPE, and I'm going to list them. They're shared communication, leadership, values and ethics, and knowledge of roles and responsibilities. How do you both see interprofessional education as a way to provide a framework for successful interprofessional collaborative practice? Yeah, so I think having interprofessional education is to paramount uh, a successful interprofessional practice because you have to practice it before you actually practice it in real life, if that makes sense. Um, if, you, if you learn and practice it with interprofessional students, th there's a safe space to like make a mistake, um, tr try to understand what everyone is doing and what their, what their strengths are. Whereas in like real life, you're not, sometimes permitted to make those mistakes in either to save face or you don't want to look dumb by asking a question. So I think it's really um, 
paramount to have that kind of education. And further, if you're if you're all learning together, it kind of reinforces the camaraderie because you're all in it in it together from the start. Whereas if you were to jump in, I guess five years after, like down the road, people might be already set in their ways or already have their views on who on who takes care of what. Mo, I completely agree. I think that looking at the the idea that it's it's okay and it's good to make mistakes since we're you know still students and especially earlier on in our training getting to understand you know even what the other professions do one of the things i really loved uh in our early ust experience it in the learning retreats so i spoke a little bit about their learning retreats earlier on when we each learning retreat would focus on a specific population that's underserved and and we look through the lenses of all the professions that the needs, health needs of these specific populations. And when we would, one of my favorite parts was when we would break out into groups, interprofessional groups and do uh, and work on cases, real cases or, you know, inspired by real life cases. And what I loved about this is it did, we were all very earnest in our young professional selves, but it, it did feel a little more casual and organic because this really was student directed, even when we had faculty mentors there with us. So I got to learn in a more, you know, student to student way. Okay, well, what does a pharmacist see? What jumps out to a pharmacist about this case? Or what jumps out to a physician, future physician, future nurse, future social worker, future PA? So I, I really loved the amount of student driven IPE. Uh, that we we learned from the get-go in the learning retreats. I think that in terms of communication and shared communication, um, having it feel more natural um, and and really learning how to speak the language was what set set me up for success. Yeah, just uh, really quick jumping on uh, top of what Katie had mentioned about uh, especially shared communication um, and having a shared vocabulary with communication being one of the domains of IPE. Um, I remember the first learning retreat of UST um, in our, our early cohort days. Um, we all, that was the first time and the only time that we would be um, doing an activity just within our own profession. Um, but the point was to come up with what are the misconceptions about um, you know, our profession that other people might have and let's myth bust them in a kind of creative presentation to everyone else. And so I remember in my cohort, um, we were thinking of, you know, what does, well, how's the best way to explain what a pharmacist does? And I think I did like some kind of call and response of, hey, we do pharmaco. And then you guys were like, kinetics, pharmaco, epidemiology. And it was just back and forth. And, um, you know, that, that learning retreat really taught me things like how physician assistants don't like to be called physician's assistants because they're not the assistant to physicians. It's just, you know, how the name came around. Um, and especially when you're talking about when you're collaborating with other people, what are the things that they like to know? What You have to understand what does a social worker actually do because it's more than just uh, accessing resources. They, you know, do so many other things, including things like therapy. And if I was presenting um, to a physician because I have a drug-related problem that when I bring up, I would do that completely differently than if I was going to talk to um, the social worker about a problem that 
a patient might be having. So I wouldn't tell the physician, um, or I at least I wouldn't tell the social worker, hey, this patient here has an A1C of 11, they're taking Lantus 25 units at night and all this stuff. I would say, hey, there's this patient with complicated diabetes, they're having uh, you know, a hard time you know, getting through some family stuff you know, what can you do to help me with this because they're not adherent to their plan. So uh, just, you know, wrapping up, I think what you said was uh, very pertinent to what we value in UST. In, uh, in practice, um, I've been fortunate, like, uh, for example, when I was in the ICU, uh, we, we had a pharmacist on rounds with us. And, and since, since, uh, Throughout school, I've been a part of USC and like in this interprofessional education approach, I I had no no problems, like just like going up to him and like asking him questions because I think if you are raised in this education, then you're more likely to to go out of your way to ask those questions, and and like seek help and guidance if if you don't like don't know those answers. I think one of the things that can feel scary about interprofessional education and, and interprofessional practice is, you know, not wanting any professions to, or feeling worried that, you know, me as a professional, I don't want to step on someone else's toes or interfere in someone else's domain. But I've actually found my experience in UST to teach me quite the opposite. I think that all of us, especially, you know, as, as students being trained in this way, so IPP and IPE are the norm for us. I think that rather than being nervous about stepping on toes or interfering in someone else's domain, I've found it really empowering to have other health professionals wanting to speak the language of oral health and, you know, all of us feel involved with it. For example, Connecticut passed a law fairly recently that reimburses primary care offices for applying fluoride varnish to and being reimbursed for that. Um, and so, you know, I don't see that is something that's, you know, scope of practice is overlapping and that's scary. I, to me, that's only exciting that we're all speaking each other's languages. So with graduation around the corner, what are some of the habits that you guys think you formed through interprofessional education experiences in UST um, that you'll be taking with you into residency in your future careers? Mo, I can touch on this first. Um, I think something that I have really learned from UST and IPE is asking questions. I think, you know, being curious and not feeling like, oh, I don't know something, but rather, wow, this person definitely knows a lot more about this than me. I'm gonna ask them a question. Um, or even asking a question, you know, as a way of, of making sure that I understand something or restating something makes it better for our patients too and make sure that they're getting the highest quality of care. I think that UST has shown me that you can be a great leader and, you know, humble in asking questions and, and not, you know, it doesn't have to, you don't need to know everything in order to be a great leader and a competent clinician. Yeah, I just want to echo what Katie said and just add on to it. I think a big benefit of having part, having been part of USD is to know who to ask. So like you, you may have a question, but if you don't know who to ask or which profession to ask, uh, et cetera, then like you, you may not even ask anyone because you're like, I don't know who to ask. So, and that question may be important. Um, so I think that's very important to have. In addition, um, uh, 
uh, the uh, the uh, leadership training is like very important that we get um, the bo both formal and informal through our graduated leadership and the leadership course that we have um, to like be a good leader like you don't have to know everything but you have to be able to draw on everyone's strength to be able to mediate like differences and go towards um, a common goal uh, which are just a few things that we learned in like the leadership curriculum within like USD. So overall, I think going to going forward to post-graduation training, I think we're in a very good uh, shape. As a graduating, um, you know, member of USD myself, I think that uh, what both of you said is very pertinent, especially from my perspective. Um, and I just want to add on to what you both said. So Mo, you were talking about, you know, knowing who to ask, and I would add on to that also recognizing when to ask for help. Um, you know, sometimes there might be problems that you recognize that you don't have the training or skill set to address that is in the patient's best interest to address them. Um, and then knowing, hey, I got to go and grab my, you know, my social work friend or my physician assistant friend um, and, you know, going from there. Um, I also want to comment on what Katie said about leadership and advocacy, um, because I think that especially learning how to advocate for two learning how to advocate to other professions for yourself and for your own skill set. Because remember, not everybody has this program uh, or went through this program in their training. Um, and it helps you form those relationships with other professionals um, when they don't have uh, UST in their background. And, you know, taking it a step further, we don't have things like, you know, speech language pathology or dietetics in UST yet, wink, wink, hopefully, maybe, maybe in the future. But, um, you know, even just in the last year, I've, I've made friends with some speech language pathologists and you know, registered dietitians, even an optometry student who I can ask questions, you know, hey, I don't really know anything about eye drops yet. Can you tell me if this is appropriate? And, uh, you know, I think we have a great partnership because they'll ask me questions, too, about, uh, you know, drugs and dosing and side effects that um, I know that I'll carry these relationships forward in my career and Going into residency, I think that that's just another thing, you know, working with other professionals on me in, in the inpatient setting will only serve to advance patient care, I think. Nick, I, I want to completely echo what you said. And the last couple things that are coming to mind for me right now, as I'm, you know, like YouTube, looking to graduation and beyond, something that Mo and I have actually both worked on in is the UST Alumni Advisory Committee. And I wanna just, just comment that I think joining this group of alumni really all over the country has, is something that I don't think has, I really thought much about in my first two years of UST and in school. And now that I'm looking uh, to the next step, I'm really thinking about what a resource that's gonna be for me and how grateful I am for that, to have mentors out in the field, you know, in, in all different fields. And I, I think that's something that we kind of take for granted. And I love that we take this for granted is, you know, we're all, we're all in UST and we're all in our professions because we want to serve our patients and serve our communities. And I think in that aspect, UST has really grounded me of this is why we're doing what we're doing. And so I think that that's something, you know, sometimes in the throes of school of studying for exams and, you know, staying late in the lab working on you know, all of my, all of my crowns and dentures and everything, it, sometimes you can lose sight of, of why you're doing what you're doing. And UST has always grounded me in, 
our, our patients and our communities. That's, that's what we're all here for. I totally agree, Katie. And I just wanted to say, I've loved listening to you and Mo talk about your experiences. Of course, as we know, for me, cohort 14, it's been a little different because of COVID, but um, it makes a great talking point to talk about how UST has still managed to make sure that the goals of the, of the group are still a priority. And one way they've pivoted with COVID is the formation of interest groups. And I've had a great time working with Nick and he's led our team um, greatly. We decided to focus on um, uh, social justice and our project was working with an organization um, here in Connecticut and we focused on a needle exchange program. Um, and it was a difficult project kind of getting the ball rolling, but in the end we had a great presentation um, and a lot of it comes from UST and being able to still give us this IPE um, experience, although virtual, it was enriching and it was inspiring and I definitely learned a lot um, from it. Yeah, Tyler, so talking about the interest groups, um, I thought that was a, a really great uh, a time, especially during the pandemic, to still have some kind of sense of interprofessional collaboration. And uh, speaking of IPE, um, I remember one of the conversations that we had was um, about, uh, well, really throughout the entire process was about advocacy for people who use or inject drugs. And we all kind of saw from each other's perspective, you know, what does advocacy look like from a pharmacist perspective or from a nursing perspective? Because while they don't necessarily focus on the same things, it's all about the patient in the end. And because we have different training and skill sets, we're able to, um, you know, advocate in different ways, whether it's testifying against legislation or, you know, even just when you go to the pharmacy talking about, you know, why doesn't this pharmacy hand out syringes? Uh, it's, it's legal in the state, but, you know, what is this going on here? And from your different perspectives, different professional perspectives, you know, you can make different interventions and, in, in, you know, whatever way you were trained to. So um, I just wanted to add that in. The interest groups were pretty new to me as a fourth year, and that speaks volume about how USD adapts to the times and to adapt to um, other rules about masking and, uh, and the six foot distances between people, uh, the interest groups came about. And also kind of tying back to the graduated leadership and, and experience as you progress through like UST, um, myself and, uh, and a third year dental student, Catherine, were kind of in charge of, um, of the poster aspect of the, of the summit that the, all of the interest groups presented at. And I think that's a good way to tie back and like look at like, like, like even though you're in your third year, fourth year, you're still involved in the urban service track and you still give some expertise and some leadership uh, as you go through. So I think this has been a great conversation today. Thank you both Katie and Mo for providing such insightful comments on this discussion and Nick as well for being such a great co-host. Um, this has been an interesting group because I myself, I'm just at the beginning of my dental school career as a first year and the three of you are about to end your schooling. So my question is, what advice do you have on IPE experiences and interactions as graduating urban health scholars? Also, I'd love to hear your opinion on how health professional students, particularly those that don't have an AHEC slash UST type program in place, 
can gain experience and exposure to IPE and um, interprofessional collaborative practice? I think that the advice that I would give to current and aspiring UST AHEC scholars would be, I found it very easy to be overwhelmed. There's, there's so much going on both within UST and your more mainstream curriculum as well. So I think that try not to get overwhelmed as much as you can, but go in to each learning retreat, each volunteer and service experience with an open mind, but also confidence in what you do know. I think that sometimes, you know, when things feel overwhelming, I certainly found this to be true. It's easy to be a learner. It's easy to really soak up all the information that you're learning. And sometimes it's a little harder to speak up confidently when you do know something, or if you have just learned something in class the day before the learning retreat and you feel really fresh on a topic and can teach your peers. So I think starting out or at the beginning or middle of your UST journey, I would say, you know, as much as you can balancing that sponge-like learning with confidence in what you do know. Thank you so much, Katie, for the advice. And it's, it's good to know that, you know, as we get more comfortable holding a handpiece and having more patient interactions that um, even the IPE experience will really enrich uh, our, my future in healthcare. And in the end, um, one thing personally is the reason why I joined UST is that I'm here to improve patient outcomes. And it really shows, I see that passion in you and I'm hoping to become as successful and sort of follow your path and really hold the things I learned from my first two years in dental school um, towards the end and beyond. So thank you very much. Um, I did have another question for Mo. Um, I'd love to hear your opinion on how health professional students, particularly those that don't have an AHEC UST type program in place, can gain experience and exposure to interprofessional education. Oh, that's a good question, Tyler. Um, so just because you don't have uh, Urban Service Track or AHEC program at your institution doesn't mean IPE practice is off the table. Uh, you can continue to look at your program to see perhaps there is um, some sort of interprofessional experience that can be done either through the main curriculum or extra or through some other like uh, side program or it, whenever you're in the hospital, in the clinic, um, wherever you may be, you can take that like initiative and talk to someone else who who is not of the same profession as you. So you can go to the pharmacist, be like, hey, like I was wondering this question, could you tell me a, a little bit about this? Or you can talk to the social worker, be like, hey, I really don't know what to do here. Can you tell me like what's typically done or give me some advice? That way you can continue to build that exposure, that experience and that confidence to easily go out and talk to other people. So just because you may not have a program like, like the Urban Service Track or AHEC at your place, it doesn't mean uh, you could just forget about it. This uh, interprofessional uh, approach and experience is what's going to happen in the future. So time to embrace it. To add on to what Mo said, I think what someone can do is uh, you know, wherever you are, especially if you don't have um, a, a USC type program at your at your school, find 
uh, a faculty member or, or you know, a mentor who is a champion of interprofessional education and work with them to reach out to other programs who are either at your institution or even other institutions um, to try to set up an activity. You know, those faculty can work together to develop a case and you can ex they can explore together, you know, what are the, the ways that we can work together um, in, in practice and then how can we build a case for our students around that? And, you know, just to also mention, IPE doesn't stop when you graduate. IPE is something that can be done um, every day. I think on rounds in an inpatient setting or even in the outpatient setting when you're rounding on patients before clinic, um, that's always an opportunity for IPE. As long as there's some kind of education going and you're learning about and uh, you know from other professionals, then IPE is happening. So chalk talks in uh, the inpatient setting on rounds and asking the pharmacist or the social worker, you know, their perspective on, you know, a disease process or or some kind of issue that you're focusing on, um, that can certainly count as IPE. So those are kind of two ways that you can do that. So thank you, Katie uh, and Mo for joining us and uh, Tyler for being my co-host. As always, we like to end our episodes with a couple of questions and points to think about for our listeners. Um, so, you know, for everyone out there, what are interprofessional experiences that, uh, that you've had in your training and what did you learn about or from other health professionals? Also, how can you create an environment conducive to interprofessional collaborative practice? Finally, how can patients from urban underserved populations benefit from having an interprofessional team that trained using an interprofessional education framework care for them? Thank you, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is sponsored by Connecticut AHEC and UConn Health. Let's keep this talk going. Join us on Twitter at Talks Service, Instagram at Urban Service Talks, or by email at ust.pod at gmail.com.